everyone welcome back to another episode of breaking the ceiling uh, today i have two guests with us and uh, one of them is uh, our new furry friend but before we get to our furry friend uh, i want to talk to you a little bit about uh, organic juices uh, you know it's been uh, in the industry for a while but i met somebody a while ago who's done a lot of interesting things in that space and i thought i must get them on the show and i must interview them to find out why they started this uh, and you know where they're going with this and where they're currently you know present and what's the model like so i would like to welcome uh, ushwala who is the founder of ras organics hey ushwala welcome to breaking the ceiling thank you so much for having me uh, so ushwala and oh by the way this is rani uh, and when ushwala got her i said you know what she has to be in the show we've never had a, a pet in the show before and she's so friendly and Yeah, are you getting bored? Ready? No, it's happening. It is gone. But so, Ushwala, when uh, you started uh, Brass Organic, what was the thought in mind? What did you want to bring to the world? I was really interested in organic food and organic farming. I initially got into it for myself and my own health. My brother was a really big, you know, supporter of organic foods. So when we were in college we kind of made, you know, the decision to shift our lifestyle into that direction and that's where the love and the passion came from and I actually came up with this concept while I was in college because I used to do a lot of juicing and smoothies and all this other stuff um with my new and improved lifestyle. So uh through that I kind of had that passion form and that eventually led me to coming here and starting something here. So uh Russ is not the first venture that you so what did you do before Russ? You can even go back to where you studied, you can give yeah. us your life before Russ. <laughs> okay. So I studied in New York um and I went to school or university for design actually. I went to Parsons School of Design and from there I ended up with a marketing job. um working for a car company <laughs> out of all the things nice. and um yeah through that i kind of decided to do like the side business of you know cold pressed organic juices and working with um farmers and even at one point like i thought maybe i would end up being a farmer or something um but i decided to do this instead and um i kind of started as a side gig to my marketing job and eventually it became a full-time thing and with that it was more of um made in the morning gone in the evening mm-hmm. sort of like a prete manger sort of setup so we specialized in that and we had you know good opportunities but i eventually decided that i wanted to do something bigger on a much larger scale and then i set my sights on india Excellent. Uh so when did you start Rust? So we started in 2018. Okay. I had never lived in India before then. Okay. I'd visited, you know, on and off to see relatives, of course, but I didn't really speak, you know, much of the language <laughs> or anything. Um but I came here and I started looking for places for my factory where it would be, mm-hmm. where I would want to live, you know, not really knowing Bombay either mm-hmm. so that took you know some time and the entire factory setup took us about 4 months oh, wow. okay. um which is pretty quick i think it's not so bad but um 
it was definitely a you know, different experience for me. I think at that time I was much younger, maybe too young. <laughs> um, but it was definitely like a steep learning curve. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of changes happening very quickly. So the name Russ Organic what does it mean? Right? How do we complement it? Right. So I wanted something pretty straightforward. Um, and Russ in Hindi means juice. So it was just organic juice. But also, the reason why I decided to spell it that particular way is because my name is Ajbala. <laughs> Her name is Rani. And my dad's name is Srini. Oh, wow. So R-U-S. R-U-S. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So you are a part of it too. Yes. <laughs> I like to call her the CFO, the chief furry officer. So she does come with me and sit on my desk. We share a desk together. So she should so. be on your website as well, like your photo. She's my brand ambassador, I'd say. So I found your branding of your product very interesting. So give me a little background about how did you come to Definitely. So initially, I worked with one of my friends, Shauna Pulus. She helped me design the logo and the initial iteration of the brand. And from there, I kind of took it into the direction where it is now. Um, so the labels and the bottle shape and everything now has been designed by me. Mm-hmm. And um, we, I wanted something really unique for this market, which is why I decided to go this way. Um, A lot of the labeling had been uh, based on different brands that are from the U.S. Mm -hmm. I didn't really want like a minimalist approach. I'm really into maximalism, (laughs) so I wanted something that was just full and kind of screamed off the shelf at you so that you would pick it up and at least look at it and, you know, see what it is. Absolutely. No, so the the bottles are definitely very unique. Uh, The branding is very unique. It definitely catches the eye. It doesn't follow the normal pattern. So Mm -hmm. definitely breaks patterns. Uh, How are you coming up with different flavors? So I'm trying out one right now, and I I found it really, really interesting. So how do you come up with new concepts? Like, is that that you doing something? Do you have a team that helps you design that? How are you working on that? So I have um, my coworker, Ganesh. Mm -hmm. He's been with me since... Before, he was with me in my first um, mm-hmm. company, and um, he, he helps a lot, you know. We do the uh, juices and the flavoring together. I have a concept in mind, and then we'll start doing it. I mean, it did first start off in my kitchen, you know, with mm-hmm. him and stuff. So we kind of go through it together and do different iterations and different possibilities, and um, a lot of the, the juices now... I actually changed course during the pandemic. Um, Pre-pandemic, we were selling at a higher price, and Mm -hmm. we realized that it just wouldn't be affordable um, after all the struggles that everyone went through. Um, So that's when I decided to drop the price. I decided to create, like, a lot of different flavors that are more Mm price-friendly. And through that, I found all of these flavors. And another big thing I'd say was um, the Indian market and the palette is so different and unique compared to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So I really feel like I did capitalize on that somewhat. So a lot of the flavors are like truly Indian. Mm -hmm. One of our best sellers is called Ruby. It's basically a cocoa and pomegranate Mm -hmm. juice. Mm -hmm. And it gives that kata mita flavor that people love. So I really decided to build upon that palette and see what was missing Mm -hmm. um, and also create that as well. So how did you get the insight to create that? Because finding that out is a lot easier Yeah, I think it was a lot of uh, trial and error on Mm -hmm. our part. 
and <laughs> expensive trial and error. <laughs> um, because we did like, you know, have different flavors for the market at first and stuff. But after a while, you kind of get to understand what people like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people do like some, you know, the extreme opposites, which is very sweet and very salty here. Mm -hmm. So just creating some of these flavors, it was really just going in and saying, okay, people really like this and they want this, they don't actually want that. So that's also a reason why I decided to incorporate like sugarcane or, you know, some cumin or kokum or something like that, which is more Indian, mm -hmm. so that people can relate to that palette as mm -hmm. well. So uh, there's a lot of trial and error. And nowadays, I do send out samples to you know, some of our, our customers mm -hmm. that order from us frequently and mm -hmm. love to give feedback. But I think the main thing you can do is just give it to everyone you know, at the factory, at the office. Like It comes from such a wide range of people mm -hmm. that they can give you like the best feedback. And even if you don't like something, but they like it, it it's going to work more of likely. Um, and that being said, like my guava juice, for example, I have a different juice for the market here than abroad. Mm -hmm. And the one here has like chili and, you know, Himalayan pink salt and stuff. And that's what they like. I would never drink it. <laughs> so, yeah, just the people around me have really, really helped um, create the juices now. So uh, to that point and people around you, uh, do you have mentors? Do you have people who've kind of guided you through this journey, helped you through the journey, somebody kind of you look up to or go to when you need help or advice? Yeah, my dad, he's my main mentor. Okay. Um, I always thought of him as one of my best friends, and he really supported me. He was kind of the one that pushed me into doing my own thing and becoming an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And also just... Um, Moving here was really difficult, so I think he really helped out kind of settling me in. He also hasn't lived in India, you know, in over 30 years, so it was definitely a change for both of us, but it's really helped us and, and helped me kind of understand a lot of different things. Mm. Um, and I have a few other people, like some of his friends, I would say, that really helped me out mm -hmm. and helped me, you know, understand the market a little bit better or even just give you know a boost of confidence um that was really helpful too mm -hmm. i have a lot of family members that i would say also helped me out mm -hmm. um mainly just you know through and words of encouragement and those kind of things telling me that it's going to be okay and that's that's really helpful honestly so do you have any mentors from the food business like have you reached uh, out to anybody or is anybody from you know, who's done like yeah. marketing and food or sales and food? So I do have a mentor, okay. and I do work with him now. Okay. Um, his name is Just Winder. Okay. And he is uh, amazing, you know, person. Um, he works um, with the food industry. Okay. He's actually more of a um, in-flight catering sort of. He has you know the ambassadors. Wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. so he's also a wonderful person. And I met him actually after I came here. Um, and we reconnected again recently, like post-COVID. Him and my dad were always in touch, but he's been really helpful and also, you know, made me understand patience a lot more, which I think <laughs> you really need for this market. Absolutely. And also just telling people, like, this is what I want. I'm not going to, you know, compromise. And that's that. 
So I think that was something I also needed to learn because after the pandemic, I was definitely really terrified and I was all about compromise. Whatever anyone wanted, I was, I was okay with. But now that we've like gotten our footing back, I think stepping back a little bit and just giving it the patience and time that it needs is, is the most important thing. So what I've seen is uh, patience and grit are mm-hmm. two most successful, I mean, most successful people have these two characteristics. They're yeah. very patient, mm-hmm. um, so they invest in long-term games, so they're not looking at, like, I do something and I need something back mm-hmm. right away. And two, uh, they're okay to fail, and they're okay, every time they fail, they get back up again. Mm-hmm. So I think the pandemic has probably taught you both. Your mentor and the pandemic has probably taught you both, right? Definitely. And I also did fail before with the other mm-hmm. business. Yeah. I'm okay with failing. I'm okay with setbacks. And you're right, grit, grit needs to be there. I don't know how much of that I have, but <laughs> I'm trying. So that, I think, comes with a lot of experience. Yeah, Right. So sure. uh, The other day I read something which was in the lines of uh, failures uh, teach you lessons, mm-hmm. and um, so and those lessons are actually going to help you to succeed. Right. Yeah. So failure is not the opposite of success. It's actually a part of it. Definitely. And if you learn from your failures, you never fail because yeah. you learn something from it and you, you come back stronger. I generally think the most successful people have failed a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And you're right, you learn something every single time you fail. So, so at Equinox, I we, I think, good. fail every day. We, we fail at different things every day and yeah. it's perfectly fine because we try new things. Mm-hmm. Many of them don't work and it's perfectly fine because we learn something from them, we pivot. Mm-hmm. If something that works, we amplify a lot more. Yeah. This is one of them. Like Breaking the ceiling actually was a, a thing that we said we'll run as a pilot. Mm-hmm. We said, hey, we're going to do five of these and let's see where it goes. Right. And we're now, I think, the 18th or 19th one now, and we are planning to do 100 more. Think it, it's uh, really successful. So, you know, and uh, yeah, so this was a, a pilot that succeeded. But yeah. for every BTC, there are two or three other things that did not get the results that we wanted. Mm-hmm. And we learned from each one of them. Right. Yeah. One was the thing that we're doing was called Breaking the Mold uh, on Instagram. Which I think also is pretty good. We just don't see it scaling as much. Right. Uh, BTC has a lot more scale uh, to it. And yeah, so we're going to be doing a lot more of those. So yeah. this is also an outcome of a learning right. and an experiment, right? Yeah. So uh, what do you think of innovation? How, how important do you think innovation is in your business? Um, innovation is extremely important in the food industry. And I'd say it's because we are running out of resources. Um, global warming is very real. <laughs> so, uh, and unfortunately, there's just too much wastage that happens. So I think that there definitely needs to be a change, and we need to see that change sooner or la- than later. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, India is like a little bit too far away from that, which is why I wanted to do organic to begin with. I came and I met the farmers first and went and did all of that homework mm-hmm. to really decide this was something I wanted to do here. Mm-hmm. And the main, I think, you know, push was that organic farmers are, you know, paid better and they're all part of unions and co-ops and they just have that support. Mm -hmm. And that's what you really need um, in order to succeed for them. So that is like a main USP I don't think I will ever not Not have. have. Um, but when it comes to like innovation, whether it was me making juices different or the kind of materials we use or whatever it is, like that obviously is something important. Mm-hmm. I also feel like that needs to kind of trickle down um, 
unfortunately, like, you can find really cheap products, and I understand the whole point of that, but it's just not as good for you. And whatever you're eating that's cheaper now, in the long term is going to give you, you know, bad health. So you're paying for a little bit more now than if you would in the future. Fantastic. So that's one thing. And I also think that with innovation comes a lot of pivoting. So as you said, there's so many failures, but I think it takes a lot to just be like, okay, option A didn't work, or B, or C, or D, but let's go to option F, or Z, or M, or whatever. It's just seeing different avenues mm -hmm. and being able to keep going and knowing that there is a future that you want to go towards. And I think that future for food, for me, is having really good food for everyone. You know, it shouldn't be, there shouldn't be price barriers that are so unforgiving in mm -hmm. that way. Right. Fantastic. When you started off, what were a few of the challenges that you faced? Um, a lot of different <laughs> things. <laughs> Not a few, a lot. Um, I mean, the place, like just moving here was a challenge. The language barrier. Uh, because it's not really like only Hindi, right? It's also Marathi, especially when you go out to the industrial parks and such. So that was definitely hard. Um, and then also finding people to come and do different things. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, like you were running after suppliers, which doesn't make sense, but it's a very Indian. Mm -hmm. um, and that not only happens, it happens in every single step of the way, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so then you kind of are like, I just need to find my own people. I mean, I was suffering with marketing until very recently. I just got fed up and hired my own people. But it it's everything, you know, it is just challenging. India is really challenging. Um, Bombay is even more so challenging. Um, and I'd only really known that I wanted to do this in Bombay. I don't think I could really live in any other city in India just because of the fast pace. and Even that sometimes is not fast enough for me. So in that way, definitely, like all of those things are challenging. And I can't just say it was like one thing or the other because I think it can be applied to anything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, time is not really a constraint here for some reason. Um, there's no such thing as like deadlines or any of that and just calling and you know, asking and following up and such is really tiring, but it's necessary here. So, yeah. So, I, I, when it comes to uh, the work culture, mm -hmm. I think every organization has their own work culture, right? Right. Uh, what I've seen is it takes a long time to find partners who reflect the same pace, same culture as you do. Yeah. But once you find those partners, things get so much easier. Mm -hmm. so I used to face the same problem when I started Equinox, the kind of people I worked with. You send a purchase order, your material comes after like eight weeks, 12 right, weeks. So yeah. That doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. But now we have partners, we place a call in the morning, evening, it's materials time. in office, yeah. right? Or next day it's in office. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just taking out the time to find the right set of people. Yeah. Right? It may come at a slightly higher price. It may come at uh, maybe you have to pay in advance or pay seven days instead of 30 days. The credit terms may change, mm -hmm. but you have to find the right people. And those people do exist. Right? Right. So, But finding the right uh, audience. Finding them is tough. So sure. uh, I also, uh, I uh, 
crashed a food launch recently. Yeah. And I wanted to do that, which was interesting. And then you mentioned that you are actually supplying something to another food manufacturer. Yeah. I didn't know that was a part of a business model. Mm -hmm. So can you dive a little deeper there? Like, I do do that. And, you know, the way I met her was like a very, you know, kismet, amazing approach. But if I really believe in something, then why not? I would love to be a part of as much as I can be. Mm -hmm. And also just being in this industry, it's good to, you know, meet people and have friends. So Absolutely. if I support something, then I'll definitely do it, which is what, you know, I was telling you before as well with other brands that we work with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I do sell ingredients. I also sell um, other juices, like we do co-packaging for other people as Wonderful. well. Um, we have a non-organic area where we do other things as well, not only juices, but smoothies. We've done tests for baby food companies. Oh, wow. We've done, you know, product development for uh, baby food companies, um, like overnight oats companies, um, kind of, you know, all of this vegan food and vegan items that are coming up. So I do, you know, partake in all of those different things. Um, because I do want to do, you know, my part in helping. Mm -hmm. And I do want all of this to be accessible to everyone, mm -hmm. as I said before. So, yeah, I'm down to work with anyone. <laughs> they just have to, you know, come and talk to me about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, so this doesn't reflect on your website. Like, your website, obviously, yeah. Rust Organics is obviously about, uh, you know, the juices that you're listening and this right. brand. Yeah. And it was very interesting to see that you're also doing other things. Mm -hmm. and I think networking, do you believe it? I mean, do you think networking has power? Networking is the only thing that has power. Uh, you can, you don't need to go to school anymore, <laughs> as you've seen, everyone has seen. You don't need to have an education anymore. Math is not important, <laughs> like biology. All of these things that we struggled hard to get through are of zero importance now. So I think the only way forward is networking. And I think, you know, India really does rely on networking, more so than a lot of other places that I've lived in. Mm -hmm. um, it is a very, like, you know, industry-oriented uh, place, mm -hmm. and you have to just be involved and always be, you know, open to different ideas and on the forefront of different things. And like I said, I love supporting other businesses, too. So it's, it's definitely something that I want to get into more. So where do you see yourself... Uh, five years from now? Um, I definitely want to just keep doing what I'm doing. Okay. Um, I see Rust as all over India, but not only that, uh, really expanding to other parts in the world. I'm currently working more so on that expansion. Nice. Um, Pre-pandemic, we were doing the Middle East and Nepal, mm -hmm. and post, we just started Bahrain again. Shout out to Bahrain. <laughs> Excellent. Um, because I grew up there, and I love that country so much. So we are doing that, and we're open to other places. We're working with a lot of different companies. Mm -hmm. um, we're also supplying uh, like ingredients to some companies abroad mm -hmm. that are doing really cool things, you know? And I hopefully, in five years, I really, really want to have Rust or some sort of iteration of it in, you know, America, mm -hmm. just bring it like full circle back. Um, and it would be awesome to do something there that would really have the Indian ingredients and the soul and the culture. 
it would be such a perfect marriage of who I am, which is like the American and the, the roots from India, you know, really pulling through and just, I really want that to happen. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> so the interesting part is most of the entrepreneurs that I meet mm -hmm. and when I study their brand and I study them, mm -hmm. you actually can see their personality and their soul in their brand. Yeah. And it's most, and it's those companies that become successful. Mm -hmm. Right, because when people connect to a brand, if it's just a pure brand and there's no soul, mm -hmm. it's a transaction. Yeah. But if there is a soul and there is a connect, I think then that's a customer for life. And then you actually believe in what that brand believes in, right? So Definitely. something like Apple, yeah. right? There's so much of Steve Jobs and who he was in Apple and their products. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk, Ratan Tata, you name right. any of the greats. You know, you will see like their personalities reflected in their brand yeah. as well. And I'm glad to see that your personality is reflecting in Ness as well. So that is, that, is, that is fantastic. Yeah. So as uh, an entrepreneur, what are maybe the three things that you've learned that were life-changing? I would say one was something that you touched upon, which is failure isn't the opposite of success. You need failure to mm -hmm. be successful. Mm -hmm. um, two would be like, if you're really passionate about something, then do it. If you don't have that passion, do not do it. There's zero point in, in going through all of the struggles you face. Um, a lot of people can say like, you, you do have some privilege coming with starting your own company and things like that. But it is a totally different you know, ball game than just having a nine to five job. Um, you're constantly thinking about it, constantly it's all encompassing, you know, uh, waking up, going to bed, whatever. It's just that. Yeah. So you need to be okay with that and okay with, you know, the rest of your life doesn't matter, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that really matters. In my life right now, it's Russ. <laughs> Russ and Russ. <Ronnie. laughs> That's it. <laughs> Anything else is like, come and go, whatever. Say love you sort of thing. And... That's the only thing that's been important to me for now. Hmm. I mean, I started, when I first started doing those things, I was like 23 and now I'm, I'm 28. So I still have a long way to go. Hmm. And that's another thing I'd say is like, it takes time. Everything that's good takes time. Mm -hmm. If you are an overnight success, it's not gonna last. Okay. Your, your main goal I think in life is to make sure that it's, it's lasting, mm -hmm. it's successful mm -hmm. and and also that it's made a mark uh -huh. of some sort. Uh -huh. And I would also go as far as to saying, whatever like industry you decide to go into and business you start, I thoroughly believe that it should improve your society and your surroundings. I feel like your environment, people around you, the society you live in, that is the most important thing that we can do in our lives uh -huh. is to make things better. Uh -huh. So those would be, I think, my three points. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and touching on the last point, uh, which is society, I, I think the buzzword for 2022 is sustainability. Yeah. What do you think about sustainable businesses? Like, can food manufacturers be sustainable? What are your thoughts on that? I think we have a long way to go. Mm -hmm. um, we, as a company, try to have zero waste. Um, we reuse bottles and unfortunately it's the small things here that, that matter, right? We don't have the infrastructure to transport like cold materials here, you know? 
we don't have the infrastructure for proper recycling facilities or composting facilities or even glass bottle recycling. A lot of people think that glass is, is better, which it is for the environment, mm -hmm. but we don't have you know, the infrastructure to recycle those bottles. Mm -hmm. They all end up in a landfill. Any it's, it's, it's a nightmare. So when people make those decisions, it is kind of like, okay, at least this plastic won't harm a kid or an animal, but that glass will. So unfortunately, we have a long way to go, and it's really the infrastructure that will change it. Mm -hmm. And I just say, like, I'd urge people to just try and be more, you know, mindful about waste and food wastage. I think if you just kind of cut that off, it makes things a lot easier. I'd rather, like, there be no wastage <laughs> than to have excess amounts. And I think that's the main thing that people need to strive for nowadays. I think, you know, even when it comes to supermarkets and things like that, they stock it till it's full, which is something that I've also had to deal with. But you don't want that waste. You, the, the sinking feeling comes is when you see those bottles coming back from the store. Because what are you going to do with that afterwards? One of the things that I decided to implement was all of the bottles that are going to be returned to us, we actually get them back a few days earlier and then distribute it so mm -hmm. at least the juices don't go to waste. And I found that that works the best. There have been some instances, like even during COVID, for example, we had like a huge production mm -hmm. that had happened and then we were shut down. Mm -hmm. So uh, after you know, getting the permits and everything sorted out, I just went and distributed whatever I could, whether it was to like frontline workers or, you know, the smaller, you know, kids mm -hmm. that are just running around or whatever, all the police officers on the roads. You know, it's better than it going to waste. Where's it going to get you? It's not going to get you anything. And I think that is something that's definitely lacking in our society. There, there's a need to kind of, oh, if it's not getting me profit, then just throw it away. Throw it away. But no, there's so many other things that you can do with it instead. So uh, at Equinox, for the last few years, we, uh, we have about 14 different departments. Mm -hmm. And today, almost 11 of those departments are paper-free. We don't print a single piece of paper. Uh, back in the day, we used to, I think, go through about 1,000 to 1,500 sheets a day. And this is not even for the reports. Internal oh. stuff with everything was printed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now that everything has been digitized, we have our own tech team in-house, we've mm -hmm. digitized everything. Mm -hmm. There's literally three departments that need to print, and the only reason they print is either because a compliance requirement and because a customer needs it. Yeah. So next year, we're actually planning to even stop printing for the customer, mm -hmm. and it's only going to be on demand, not by default. So today, if you order something from us, there's an e-report and there's a printout. Right. Yeah. We're actually going to stop printouts, and if somebody wants it, they'll actually have to pay extra. Okay, that's To get amazing. it printed and yeah. have it delivered because there's a, there's a carbon footprint that's associated right. with not just the printing but even delivering right. those 5 or 10, 20 mm -hmm. pieces of paper across the country. Mm -hmm. So customers need to understand. So the, they're not going to make money on the, it's going to be 50 bucks. But the idea is then they, they understand the value mm -hmm. of that. Uh, and I think another good thing that a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of people do is switching over to cloth bags. Right. And that's a very visual indicator whether a person is sustainable or not. So if you see a lot of plastic bags, mm -hmm. That shows you something and versus cloth bag then whenever i go to the supermarket i look for that mm -hmm. and i see people with cloth bags they bought they bring from their home right. and that is that number has started to go up yeah the other day i was at a place and i almost saw 50 60 percent of people having their own cloth, cloth bag, bags yeah. which is 
very, very interesting yeah. to see that people are now mindful of that. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that if you don't bring it and you have to spend more may also be an incentive for I bringing think it. I that's the main incentive. Whatever, <laughs> whatever it, it is, works. but it works. It's yeah. driving the end result. Like yeah. how, uh, I remember when, uh, and I just got back from the US, the law of seat belts was just coming in. Yeah. And uh, I was wearing a seat belt before, and my driver used to laugh at me. Right? Yeah. And one day I came back and I saw him wearing a belt. So I asked him, what happened? He's like, oh, I got fined. <laughs> so now he's, now he, but yeah. that works. So today nobody has to be told to wear seat belts. It's just keep off. Nobody can enforce it anymore. But that's yeah. a penalty added that behavior. Right? Uh, so my last uh, question to you would be, a lot of people are entering the food business, they find it uh, you know, really cool to have a food business. What advice would you give them? What's the one piece of advice you'd give somebody entering a juice um, business or any food business? Well, don't enter the organic juice market because <laughs> <laughs> I'm I will crush you. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, again, I just, just be mindful, right, of your society. So everything you get should be from around you. Um, you were talking about carbon footprint. Getting anything from other parts, importing things in, that's all part of it. So find societies or communities that are around you. Support them and lift them up. Because while lifting them up, you're lifting yourself up. People don't realize that if you, if just the area around you, like if that all comes up a little bit, you know, there's less uh, trash, there's, you know, proper housing and things like that, then you, your value increases. It's just common sense at this point. Okay. But for some reason, people still think it's okay to, oh, I've left the house, I can just throw it right outside. You know, that doesn't really make sense. So that's one thing, it's, it's the whole sustainability factor. Mm -hmm. And the second would be, Try to make something that's better, you know? Doing something that's been like done before or you're just gonna, it's not gonna work out. You need to have like a very specific USP and really find that market to be in and do something that makes you inherently proud. You know, every single thing you should be happy about it. There shouldn't be some part of it where you're not so happy, oh, this is not so great. Like keep working at it, you know, it's like you had mentioned, when you find the right suppliers, when you find the right things, then everything comes together really beautifully. So having that grit and having all those factors in, that's what's going to really set you above the rest. So I like the last part which you touched upon, which was pride, right, then you should be proud. And uh, about 10 years ago, I'd hired a consultant and uh, he actually did an exercise in office on the why do you do what you do for everyone? Mm -hmm. And then the question came to me, they're like, you know, why do you do what you do? So I was, I was giving them the answer of, oh, you know, it's good for society and, you know, it's, uh, we, are, we are working on making food, water, air safer. But the guy was like, go a little deeper, like, why do you exactly do what you, you do, like your role mm -hmm. and the way you behave, why do you do that? And um, the, I think the answer was, you know what, I want my kids to be proud of me. I want my kids to look at me and say, oh, he's done something good for society, mm -hmm. right? And uh, that, that pride can be from kids, it can be from parents, it can be from friends, it can be from society. But I think that also the inner joy of knowing that, hey, you've done something good yeah. for the society is... Uh, it's, uh, I really think it has to be from you. Because the more, when you're proud of what you're doing, I'm sure you've also realized people around you, it really affects the people around you. You end up hiring people and surrounding yourself with people that are proud of what you do mm -hmm. and they're therefore proud of what they do. 
when everyone around you has that in them, it just makes it so much better. Like my entire team has that mm -hmm. in them. Mm -hmm. And they want to succeed. They want more work. They want, because they're proud of what they're doing. Mm. It just makes everything so much better. You know? And when people take pride in their work, yeah. they actually spend more time learning their craft, perfecting their craft, and maybe even showing off their craft a little more. Yeah. And that results in a positive cycle where things just get better. Because if you're, if you're so good at it, if you're going to spend so much time at it, you're going to get better. Yeah. You get better, people are going to appreciate it more, you feel more motivated, so it's a, it's a positive cycle. And the, I've also seen the same thing going the other way. Mm -hmm. If you're stuck in a job that you are not happy with or you're not proud of, mm -hmm. you're not going to put in the extra time, you're not going to do it with your heart and soul, you're not going to be as good, you're not going to get the recognition, mm -hmm. and then it starts a downward cycle. So uh, as a leader uh, of an organization, I've always seen that finding not just the right people, but the right people with the right passion and right. if you match that right passion in the profession, mm. I've seen a lot of magic happen. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and whenever, I think that's also a key skill to have, like figuring out what are things people are passionate about. And then can you offer them that? Yeah. And can you offer them a way that they can express their passion and do something amazing with that? And if you're able to do that, and then you should get out of the way. Yeah. Right? Like do what you get at and then just do, keep doing what you're doing, right? Just yeah. explore. And that's been the culture at Equinox, and that has helped us tremendously. Yeah. Do, do you see that in Do you see that in Russ as well? Definitely. All of the people that are with me are really, really happy and proud of what they do, um, and they've been with me through everything, you know. Um, and I have some, you know, like younger people now that are working for me, and I really appreciate them as well. I'd also say that, like, um, and I'm sure that you've found this, that it gives you, like, this value of having those people around you. Because they feel proud, so then you feel, it's just such a mirroring effect. Absolutely. Right Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's a, the other day somebody asked me, you know, what motivates you? There are times when, you know, your job gets tough. What kind of gets you out of bed? Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's my team that gets me out of bed. Yeah. Because I know that they are hungry. They are learning new things. They want, they will look up and, like, hey, teach me something new. So I need to learn, I have a habit of learning new things every day. The reason that is sustained mm -hmm. is because I have a team that's hungry to learn. Mm -hmm. So I know I, hey, I need to tell them something new. And it could be literally any role in the organization and I, whenever I meet them, I should be able to contribute something in their learning journey. Yeah. Right. And it can be right from uh, like marketing, videography. So I take courses on videography on weekends. Yeah. You can ask my team, like, are you like, hey, can you try this effect? And they're like, why are you doing this? I'm like, because it's yeah. actually something that I'm passionate about as well, right. right? So it could be different things which are not my day-to-day, -day, but if you take a liking to it, yeah. it doesn't even feel like work. Right. Right? So yeah. that's been kind of, that's been interesting. That's, that's yeah. also something I've noticed is like, every single thing that I have, give to other people, I've done personally myself, and that helps a lot. Mm -hmm. But I actually had a question for you, because yeah. you, yeah. well, you mentioned mentors. So how do you feel... Like, I feel a lot of people may look at you as a mentor. So how does that make you feel? And does it give you a little bit of, I don't know, stress or maybe anxiety? Because, you know, people are looking up to you and kind of depending on you for, for those answers, right? Yeah. And today at Equinox, we're almost about 1,000 people plus. And um, we have, as I mentioned, 14 teams and all those leaders kind of reporting into me. Mm -hmm. Mentoring them is challenging because each one of them has different personalities each one of them has different aspirations each one of them has different skill sets each one of them has different strengths 
each one of them has different areas where they can improve, mm -hmm. right? So uh, understanding that and then changing your approach to match that, that's, um, that can be challenging at times. And the fun part is, uh, since I meet so many people, I get actually a lot of food startups reaching mm -hmm. out and also saying like, hey, can you mentor us? Unfortunately, I don't have as much time, but I do land up spending maybe an hour a month with many of them understanding what they do, uh, helping them amplify uh, their message out in the world, connecting them with the right people. Uh, but the most important part of mentoring, uh, let it be in-house teams or external people, is that if you are passionate about it, you will actually find the time, you'll find the energy to do that, yeah. right? And if you're not so passionate about it, if it's forced onto you, then it actually becomes stressful. Mm. I can go on for 14 hours a day and I don't get stressed. Mm -hmm. Like yesterday, I left this place at 11.30 at night. Mm -hmm. Many people are like, oh my God, you're working so hard. I'm like, I was having no, fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was having a blast, right? Yeah. Uh, in, by the end, you don't use the word managers. Okay. It's all leaders. So there's uh, team leaders, there are process leaders, uh, because I don't think people should be managed, they should be led. Yeah. Right? So, That's and nice. as a part of being a leader, mentoring is the right way of kind of doing it. So, having one on ones, understanding what the person is going through. Mm -hmm. So, if a person is not performing well, rather than saying, hey, why is your performance bad? Asking them, hey, what's going on? What's going on at home? Right? what's going on in your life. And many a times it's that that's causing an issue at work. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise they're doing great, suddenly you see them uh, going down in performance, you see their morale down, yeah. and it's things outside their control or outside the office that is causing that. But understanding them, helping them navigate through that, mm -hmm. I think is extremely fulfilling. Yeah. Uh, when you look at uh, something similar at Russ, what, what, what is the biggest challenge that you faced when you kind of mentor your team? Uh, I, I don't know if I mentor most of my team because they're my age or older. Um, we just, I like saying that we just work together. Mm -hmm. That's the easiest thing. Um, and I truly believe that as well. Uh, they've taught me so much and I'm sure vice versa. I have maybe one or one person that I feel like I mentor and uh, she's awesome. Mm -hmm. I feel like I love spending the one-on-one -on -one time with her. So mm -hmm. it's like every day we talk and there's a lot of one-on-one -on -one and, and yeah, that's really been rewarding and fulfilling and it makes me feel like, oh, I'm not, I can see her doing so much more. You know what I mean? Like giving her the right opportunities, she can just really excel in whatever. And she's so young. I really enjoy that part of it too. It's like, I'm gonna help you out and let's let's sort out what you want and get to that goal. Um, but I obviously just have one person, whereas you have so many different people. So you mentioned age. Yeah. Uh, uh, my, I would I would defer that a little bit. I think when you mentor somebody, it doesn't have to mean that they are younger than you. So for example, yeah. I have eight mentors in my life. Uh -huh. Seven of them are older than me, but mm -hmm. one of them is actually four years younger than me. Okay but they're really, really good at their craft. Yeah. So one of my mentors is in social media. Okay. Seven million followers. Wow. She teaches me a thing or two about social media. Yeah. Right? Uh, so my point is you have to find the person with the right mindset yeah. who can help you with something. And for different aspects of your life, you can have different people. So somebody else and they're like, oh, I can only have one mentor in my life. And I was wondering like, no, I, I said, oh, dive deeper and you know, 
the person said, oh, I don't have time to interact with so many different people to gather inputs. Right. So what if they give me conflicting inputs? What do I do? Yeah. Right? Uh, so the way I've kind of handled it is uh, for different parts of my life, mm -hmm. I have different people who I would go to for, men I mean, who can mentor me. Uh, that may mean half an hour. Uh, I have a mentor who will spend half an hour a week with me. And mm -hmm. I have another mentor who spends 15 minutes in a year. Yeah. And anything in between. Right. right. But for different aspects, and but that that time, in, in somebody who spends fifteen minutes in a year, the amount of clarity that they can give me in those fifteen minutes, it would take me five years to get that clarity. Mm. But this person, between fifteen minutes, would like they'll understand the situation, just like break it down, and be like, oh, I didn't look at it that way. So, the biggest aspect I've seen from my mentors is they open up a different perspective. Yeah. Most of them don't tell me what to do. Right. They will just tell me how to look at the whole thing differently. Yeah. And I think that's that's everything. And, yeah. And that's the idea true. of even breaking the ceiling was to understand different perspectives from different people, right? Yeah. Because everyone who comes from different parts of um, different walks of life or doing different things, there's so much to learn from them. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason I started this because every person has so much to teach you if you ask the right questions and you can unlock you know, these things that you can learn from somebody. Like mm -hmm. I have learned things from interns who've been with me for two months. I'm like twice their age, and I've learned things from the vice president of the United States. I've spent some time with him. I've learned something from him, and in terms of everyone in between. Mm -hmm. So, and I thought that this format is a good way to uh, get to know people I interview, yeah. learn from them, yeah. irrespective of age. Mm -hmm. So, so many things I'm learning from you. Uh, You're younger than me, but I have so many things I'm not going to learn yeah. from you, and so many inspirations I'm going to take from you. And Definitely. that's exactly what the audience is going to get as well. So, in every Whenever somebody watches an interview or a podcast like this, or hears a podcast like this, uh, and there are a lot of listeners, but what I always urge them is there should be at least one thing that you take away mm -hmm. from that. You spend half an hour, 45 minutes seeing something, hearing something. If it's only entertainment, it's okay. Right. But if you're looking at it as a way of improving yourself, write down one thing that you learned yeah. and write and apply it in your life. Right, mm -hmm. like I really uh, like the part when you said about pride. Mm -hmm. That's something that I'm going to take and amplify more. Just literally, like in today's interactions, I'm going to ask a question. Hey guys, what are you guys proud of? Yeah. So that was, that was an interesting learning for me, saying, hey, how can I amplify pride within our so my organization? So whenever I do this, I always take something away and I'm like, yeah. how do I amplify that? Right. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So uh, Ujwala, thank you so much for taking out the time. You and Rani both for yeah. coming. And uh, this is the first time we've had a pet on the show and we're all excited. Even the team were super excited. Yeah. They have never taken so much BTS, like behind the scenes <laughs> camera footage as, as this one. I'm seeing like three cameras. Yeah, I'm really thankful. They are not pointing at us, they're pointing at us. Definitely. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. So thank you so much for taking out the no, time thank and you coming for being over. so hospitable to me and Rani. Uh, of course. And yeah, this was such a wonderful experience. I don't know if I was the right person to interview oh, for this absolutely. show. Absolutely, you're absolutely the but right person. But I learned so much as well. And like you said, I'm going to take away a lot of this, a lot from this. And I just want to say that like, I love podcasts, like I told you. I'm so happy that you're doing this. And it's such an innovative thing for India. Mm -hmm. And something that I would definitely see a lot of, you know, my peers or anyone really um, listening and getting inspired and really, you know, going, <laughs> going, you know, for their day. Yeah. With, it's just a really great thing. So okay. thank you again for the Thank experience. you so much. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, so, guys, uh, 
that was Ujwala, the founder of Russ Organics. Uh, she's shared, uh, you know, so openly and so generously. And I do hope you learned one new thing from her. Do write that one thing down. Apply it in your life. Be more successful and break more ceilings. I'll see you guys in the next one.